Yeah, but I'll say this, you know, uh, you'd be surprised, and this, I'm not going to leave this in the fucking show, but you'd be surprised the things that some people don't know. L- leave it in the show. Fuck them. <laughs> This is a podcast, so I guess maybe um, we might as well have one. Gearbuds Podcast, episode 95. I'm Henry. We've got Dave on the phone. Hey. And we also have an amazing, excellent, near but still far guest, Mr. Danny Rabin from Marbin. What's up, Danny? It's all good. It's all very good. Yeah. Like, Yo, we thanks discuss- so much Welcome. for being here. Oh, dude. Thank you for thank you for having us. Or me, I guess. I'm, I'm usually like co-hosting with the saxophone player in Marvin, so the us is very intuitive the royal us <laughs> yeah uh, is is joining us from uh just further north of us in chicago but yeah. still still not together not yet but we'll get there soon so uh we're excited to have danny on and talk about all the stuff that he's got going on his past and history and everything going on with marvin before we do that we've got some segments that we like to do every week so I don't know. Let's just do them. Here is a symphony of corrections. Uh, this is your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. Thank you for listening to this. Uh, numbers are going through the roof, frankly, and it's kind of shocking. So thank you so much for joining us. And if you haven't uh, gone back and listened to all the old ones, there's about 94 time. plus of those, I think. Yep. So uh, go check them out. Maybe start, you know, mid twenties or so. Ah, uh, go see the origins. Do, do go to episode do. one. <laughs> a lot of, uh, a lot of high storytelling, I believe it was. We had, we had that that hasn't changed. To be fair, <laughs> uh, still very stoned. I, you know, it's yeah, fine. Go back and listen to the first yeah, one. I give probably it a wasn't very good at Jesus. This. Yeah, it's eleven a.m. <laughs> Don't judge. You know man. what? It's four twenty somewhere, my friend. Um, again, thank you for listening to this. It's it means it means the world to us. Follow on Instagram at Gearbuds Podcast and Facebook. Subscribe on Spotify and Apple. Uh, it's time for some sub sub segments. Uh, this is touching tapes with uh, touching tips with Dave, hey. uh, which I've got I've got a tip, uh, Dave. I don't know if you've got one this week, but mm-hmm. uh, I thought this was this was kind of interesting. I saw this, so uh, I don't know if you like me uh, tend to sometimes, even though I've been using them for I don't know twenty something years. Sometimes I kind of just need a little help remembering what compressor things do. Mm. Like uh, you know, once I get my hands on the knobs or whatever, it's fine. But sometimes having a little a little bit of an explanation can help. Anyways, I came across this uh, of, of all places a YouTube comment, uh, but I just <laughs> thought I'd share it here because it was a nice little analogy uh, that I wanted to to share with fellow compressor friends. So uh, think of it like this: threshold. Threshold is the volume at which your mom tells you to cut down your music. Ratio, the amount you cut down your music when she tells you to, which, of course, was the threshold. The attack knob is how fast you cut it down when she tells you to, which was, again, the threshold. And then the release knob is how quickly you cut the music back up once she leaves the room. Wow. So if you need just like a a very, a very childish analogy to remember how a compressor works, there you have it touching tips with dave i love that man that's uh i have a friend who's who's buying a compressor pedal and isn't sure you know which one to buy and i could i could send him this and say you know if this is all if this all makes sense uh you know make sure it works for you i love it can i I do one can i give tips shout out to chardon oh we would love it can i can i have fuck yeah all right so this is uh this is uh tips with danny (laughs) 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 new segment on the show all right, here's a good one for people who play live. Uh, you have to have an acoustic anchor to get a monitor mix that's good. So the idea is like when you're 
up on stage. I don't know if you guys still remember stages, but there used to be a Vaguely. thing in the, of the old world. Mm-hmm. Um, Vaguely. So people really get lost in trying to make a mix in their monitor that kind of sounds like an album. And you sure. spend a long time in sound check and you end up fucking everything up. Uh, there needs to be one instrument that's that's grounded into reality that doesn't have a dial on it. So I play in a fusion band and for us it's always the drums. So the idea is you have your drummer play and that's the acoustic anchor for the music. Mm-hmm. And you don't if you, you only put any of the drums in your monitor mix if you're very far away from it and you really can't hear a part. But you need to f- pick a place to stand is, a, is where the mix start. You know, so pick a place to actually position yourself in relation to where you can hear the drums clearly. Then oh, I'm a guitar okay. player, so then you bring up then you bring up your guitar in the mix to where you really don't need sure. any of your guitar in the monitor. In my band, there's also an electric bass and a saxophonist, right? So with the bass, have the bassist come in and play with you guys, and really try to get it, get it, get him to turn his amp towards you to where you don't need any bass in the in the monitor mm. to where you get a very clean stage sound and only if that doesn't work he's too far the amp's too far you bring a little bit of that and then for me i just layer the saxophone or if it's a vocalist and the vocals and the monitor and perfect mix where you build it logically and it's connected to something real folks we didn't even have that plan can you nope. believe this that is such a great Touch and tip for I mean, Danny. I think you just took over the Danny. I love it, man. You did. Um, that was amazing. Create an acoustic anchor in reality. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try that if, if stages ever, get to play ever again. come back to life again. Yeah. Yeah. Hank, because have you ever played with great. with in ears in? I've never actually used them myself. I, I, I not not. I've tried them, but I've never. I haven't. Uh, I haven't. I haven't made the leap. I've. I've tried. I hate I, them I, so much. It's. <laughs> oh really? It's, so, it's just so different. It just doesn't feel. I don't know. It doesn't yeah. feel connected or real to me i don't it think sucks. i would like them very much it sucks. Yeah. it's it's the worst feeling i mean i get amazed with like how many professional musicians and touring acts use them and seem perfectly comfortable when they probably do actually think they suck because there's nothing like just having an amp blasting behind you um, I, I feel like right. in-ear monitors and earplugs are worn the people that uh, promote them are the same people that think that like having sex is better with condoms Oh wow, that's a bold <laughs> statement. <laughs> I, you know what? I will, I will, I will slightly challenge you. I, I am a proponent of earplugs because I like to play very loud amps and I play drums. And if I didn't wear earplugs when I did those things, when I do those things, I would be fucking deaf right now. Yeah, and not able. Yeah, to. It's, we wouldn't but even it's have not, a podcast. Right but that probably. shit isn't supposed to be healthy. You know what I mean? Right. It's like it, it always reminds me of like a like a heroin junkie in the vitamin store. <laughs> Be like, so what's the best way? Like, should I take vitamin D? Is that good for heroin? Yeah, right. <laughs> Compliments it. Yeah, I, that's a great point. Yeah, and, and, fun, you know? and, and I think really real, to, to relatable to reality. The people that I've known, the furthest, the furthest sort of wacko health people in my life have also been the ones that are like totally fine, just going on four day drug benders. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like look at Hendrix. Like the shelf life of the of rocking people is twenty seven. They're not yeah. supposed to live very long. None of it's supposed to be good for you. Yeah, you know, I mean, so if and and also all the drama in music in general and great playing has to do with uh, bravery and courage and danger. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to see you be safe. You yeah, know? that's that's, that's not really where the point. that's not where the drama. It's not why people go out of their house to see somebody. 
you need to see like Evil Knievel jump over like a fleet of fucking motorcycles. You right. Know? Yeah, <laughs> like those shows where like Ingve In- 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 Melmstein jump it, over a, a it, full like forty stacks ex- of marshals. It's exactly that. So you know, and then no, when they pull it off, it's like even better. You know? So the truth of it, you're right. It's healthier, but uh, that's not the point of what we do. So <laughs> fuck your ear drums. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck my eardrums. I can't be happy. You know, honestly, the show's like, I don't even know how far in, and it's completely off the rails already, and I couldn't be happier. About I couldn't be it. happier. Uh, this is fantastic. This is vi- this is vintage uh, gearbuds right now. So. This is yeah. perfect. Yeah, exactly. This is like, you might as well be listening to an episode. Oh, yep. <laughs> let's keep, let's, I'm going to keep pushing forward here. Friends of the show have to mention this. Uh, Red Witch recently announced a new binary star pedal. Uh, which is this sort of like super wild stereo modulated delay thing. And it has a knob called universe on it. And I am a mm-hmm. full endorser of anything that has a universe knob. So um, Ben, you're listening. Let's just, I'm just going to buy one from you. Yeah. Send me one now. What, what's a universe knob? Exactly. Yeah. You're going to have to go check out the new Red Witch binary. Well, what's it do? Find out. What's it do? It's like, a I haven't modulation. played the pedal yet. I don't know. Oh, just it has a universe knob, and the demo that he put out sounds amazing. So that's good it's enough like for me. Like a sparkly delay modulation kind of thing. It's it's wild. It was, yeah, man. it's very modulated and sort of yeah, kind of memory man sounding, but not. I don't know. It's analog and amazing, and I want one. Yeah, mm. they put a they put a ten minute video. I, I I know for a fact it's on their Facebook page. If you go to Red Witch uh, at Facebook, um, they just put like a seven or ten minute demo video of how everything works. It's it sounds. Oh, nice! So I haven't cool, even man. seen that yet. Yeah, you can go. It goes real deep. So I definitely okay. I just saw the. The old teaser. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a big, big fan star. of delay. Big fan of delay. Oh, oh you might like yeah. this. You're in, the, you're in the right place. Yeah. But just wait till we get to get, just wait till we get to Dave's docs. Um, <laughs> yeah. right? Let's see here. Oh, podcast.com slash free stuff. Uh, Dumbles for all. I've got a thing in there. It's a delay. Who gives a shit? Bad fucking <laughs> ideas. Um, wanted to talk about a couple things really fast here. I uh, have to say a quick, Rest in peace to Chick Corea. Uh, that news was announced last night that uh, Chick Corea had passed away. Yeah, Obviously, awesome. you know, if you're a, f- a fan of any sort of jazz or fusion music, especially Return to Forever, uh, you know, probably the a, goat. It's a, it's a sad day for us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, I guess I'm not sure if this is a bad idea or a good idea. Uh, I just saw a story last night 36 counterfeit guitars were seized at Dulles. Yeah. Uh, coming in from China. I think it was like yesterday or the day before and they were all these were not your your typical chibson you know just like trying to be a clone like a very ugly clone of a les paul or something these were very specific knockoffs of like slash signatures right. and the uh, i don't know there, there are a bunch of them that were i think it was something like one hundred fifty thousand dollars on the open market these would have gone for and they actually yeah caught them so that's a cool thing but also just another reason that i do, i'm very nervous ever buying new guitars because who the fuck knows if it's real or not yeah that's that's crazy um yeah i mean you've, you're talking about like a 300 dollars guitar versus you know couple thousand so yeah they valued it like a hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars if they were all legit or sold for legit prices yeah that's wild man most of them were gibson knockoffs i think there was like one prs and a couple martins maybe a couple fenders in there but it's interesting that gibsons are the ones that are always counterfeited maybe it's because us gibson lovers are just dumber than people (laughs) well if you can't tell the difference then uh you know at the end that's the the thing man does it even matter if I was going to buy Les Paul, Henry, you're the first person I would go to and be like, what do you think of this? Because I feel like you would know most 
most things. Well, and, and I do think it matters because when you're talking about a company like, I mean, Gibson, yeah, it's easy to sort of like hate the evil empire or something like that, but it's still, it's still taking money out of retailers that sell like Chicago music exchange for, as an example, that sell real Gibsons is taking money out of their pockets when counterfeits come on the market. And then also these sure. values, the guitars that are there already, because now all of a sudden, if you've only played whatever bullshit knockoff guitar you th- and you think that's the real thing, well, in your mind, your belief, the value of that Gibson has gone down and you're not going to buy it. And it's just, this right. it messes up the market circulatory thing. Now so, I have a question yeah, for you. Counterfeits Henry, are bad versus the, uh, with the, the Les Paul, you know, or the Gibson specifically, I have a theory, maybe, they're easier to fake because they don't come apart as easily because they're, you know, like a set neck. Like yeah. uh, on a Strat. There's, yeah, there's no neck pocket, You could take right? the neck off and look at the neck pocket. You can look at the, if there's a stamp or not. And this, the old stamps are really nearly impossible to recreate. So I wonder, I'm not saying they are impossible, but really, really hard. I've, I'm yet to see a fake one with a good looking stamp on the heel. So uh, I wonder if that's part of the part of the thing is just kind of like you get it and you're like all right i'm not Dude, gonna i like think that's fair fumble with this thing it, and like- it's possible and the, and then the, and i guess the and that's it's you're i think you're right because when you think about something like for instance i don't know 59 less paul right one of the things that you would do is take the neck pickup out and look at the what's going on in the joint in there to see if it has the right routes and all that sort of stuff so it's similar to that but mm-hmm. yeah maybe there is uh, people are just less likely to want to crack open an old less i'd be intimidated maybe people are yeah. people are Maybe they want to believe that it's real because the values are so much higher on mm-hmm. those guitars that versus like a black art or something. There's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of motivations for for that, but yeah, so I'm, that's I'm a not crazy really story. Sure what the answer is yeah, yeah, 136 um, or 36 guitars. Uh, another couple things. Um, I don't really have anything new to say about this whole Phoebe Bridgers smashing a guitar on SNL thing, yeah. but I will say that it was fucking hilarious when she called David Crosby a little bitch. Like that was, I think that was probably the highlight of the whole story for me for sure. <laughs> I must have missed uh, that. And and then also, yeah, she called because he like he's a he's a very bad tweeter, mm-hmm. and so he tweeted something, and then her only she she just responded, "Little bitch," and then he and then like the next day he sort of doubled down, and then and then she called him whiny bitch. That's <laughs> like this is just right. she is winning. She is I don't care what you think about this whole thing. She's winning the whole situation right now. Yeah. So that was pretty fucking good. I think they made a big deal about uh, it. Yeah. I didn't really think it was that crazy of a they thing. made a big deal up because people have nothing else to make that's big true. deals about right she now. smashed so a guitar that was the that's why it was she crazy. smashed a guitar in snl it didn't and really it was, break or something i don't know it was just, well it was a dan electro which i mean good luck breaking a yeah. dan electro mm-hmm. um but the problem that that i had with it was that it was just kind of fucking cheesy like it smashing a guitar just feels kind of contrived after 19 i don't know early 70s or something so like if you want to i don't give a shit that's your guitar smash it she smashed it into like the the stage monitor too, didn't she? So it wasn't like she. I don't. You know what? I'm not going to attack a woman for having less upper body strength. That feels like punching down. I, I'm not into that. What I did have a problem with was that they built a fake monitor. For That's her what I'm saying. To hit yeah. the guitar right. into, and then like little like like fireworks shot out of it, and I was like, <laughs> "That's fucking cheesy." Nothing about a girl smashing a guitar. That's I. I I'm all about that. Oh. I, I don't know. Maybe we should make this the Dan Electro smashing challenge. I would I challenge I would love you to, yeah, to take to that guitar and smash that. Like if you're going to do a skit, just practice smashing some guitars and, you know, figure out the angles, figure out I the like amount of strength Pete, you need. Full Pete Townsend, like yeah. smash it through the front of the grill, you know, and like they ha- actually they had the fireworks explode. Like the who would do that with the fireworks thing. So maybe it was a put him made him half deaf because he put it in the kick drum. and it Yeah, exploded. blew up in the kick drum. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was crazy. Mm. There's footage That's a little it. different than uh, having a live television fake fireworks well, going sparklers off in a, in a out broken of fake sparklers <laughs> out of a monitor. That was the part that was cheesy, but fuck all this like meathead dude bullshit where like that's because that's been, of course, the main internet response like, oh, the girl shouldn't fucking smash her guitar. It's like, shut up, dude. Who cares? Really? But yeah, I've seen a lot of a lot of just yeah. meat brain fucking dudes, that's you know, bad. comment sections. There's other girls that have smashed that. guitars in history. Yeah, before. of course. I can't think of one. Like, off the top I'm, of I mean, head. Courtney Love comes to mind. Courtney as, Love, as, yeah, as like, I'm sure Joan Jett's done it because she's a badass. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's a thing. Speaking of badass, uh, you've probably seen this, but I didn't. I didn't know the the whole story. There's this this story about a guy who turned his metalhead uncle's bones oh, into man. an actual working guitar. Really. So, we have a fan of the of the show on Facebook, and they messaged us, and they were like, "You should definitely post this for Facebook." I thought it was pretty creepy, so I didn't repost it. But um, can, you, <laughs> can you explain it? Because maybe I didn't. You know, it. I Dude, didn't. I didn't want to get too get far into it. it. Basically, I I started seeing pictures in like the guitar groups that I'm in of just like in like ugly guitars and whatever, and it was basically like a, a strat looking neck yeah. on uh what I thought was just like a fake skeleton. Right. Well, it turns out this dude like actually took his metalhead uncle's bones and somehow fuse those into this working piece of art that is a guitar slash like this dude's fucking skeleton. There's that's also no way this happened in America, right? Because yeah, like you great. can't just play with dead bones. Like I think that's Yeah, you know, I it had really to have like, read the article. Or, like, you know, Norway. Like, I'm it, guessing that Norway. Is yeah. Such <laughs> a European thing. thing, like a weird cold country where they just don't have a lot of police stuff. That's yeah. definitely one of those. That's wild though, because it places. looks in the picture it looks like it could be like, you know, one of those science class with the bones and everything. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like plastic ones. Yeah. But it's it sounds uh, like those yeah. stories about mayhem, that band. They did like, you know, yeah, one guy yeah. would oh, die, yeah. they'd eat yeah, that guy. There's a wild doc about that, man. I don't the the one of my favorite books, Lord of chaos is is that that whole story but mm. god it's fucking crazy. so dark it's so man good. it's wild yeah yeah uh, all right keep we've man this is like one of the longest bad fucking ideas ever um i've we've got a couple of craigslist posts to talk about really I fast and this craigslist one post. also came from a friend of the show sending it to us um because we've talked about it a lot on the chicago craigslist music musical instruments forum is just a fucking wild west of insanity and there's this whole crazy war of attrition going on with this one guy who has this 1966 Wurlitzer guitar that mm-hmm. he's asking probably too much money for and then this other guy who posts like 20 as many many posts as possible as you can get listed on there calling this guy an asshole talking about how it ha- how the oh the Wurlitzer butt plug model how it has it's talking about dildos and stuff in there like it's ridiculous yeah but if you go on the Chicago Cra- musical instrument uh, Chicago Craigslist musical instrument exchange right now and type in Wurlitzer I would bet there's You'll at least it. 20 postings of these people warring with each other two guys I, just um, going so back I want, and forth it's, I've never I've heard sh- about this but I'm on the yeah. side of the dildo man you have to yeah man you have to automatically uh, shout out to really good friend good friend of the show johnny o'brien is sending that over uh, love it when you folks are getting in on the madness with us uh, so what's up johnny <laughs> gob uh, also gob i mean go check johnny o'brien i'll i'll post we should post a link to his stuff on facebook we'll get him on the show sometime cool. real good guy that guy awesome uh oh also one other really annoying thing that i don't know again i mentioned that i've been selling and, and listing stuff recently and dave i think i sent you a, a screenshot of this i for making a new craigslist post i believe it was yesterday i was required to give phone number verification where after before like after i hit post it was like okay now give us your phone number we're gonna send you a text give us that code and then we'll post your listing yeah that's, like what this is fucking craigslist like you're asking for phone verification yeah i'm not what giving out my phone number on craigslist ever so i mean i did even to the people who so, run it no way mm. uh yeah that was annoying anyways that's been bad fucking ideas there have been there were a couple good ones in there yeah uh 
I'm going to take it over to Dave now and, and, and what I get to do every single week, say my two favorite words, Dave's docs. All right. Oh man. We were coming in with a, this, I feel like this has been an off the wall episode. I, I watched an off the wall Dave's doc last night. What'd you Um, watch? So Hulu has this, has this documentary. Uh, Hulu is how we pronounce it around here. Hulu. Uh, just released Hulu. this documentary uh, a couple months ago, and I decided to watch it because it just sounded super interesting. It's called Six Nine: The Saga of Danny Hernandez. If you guys don't know okay. who Danny Hernandez is, I'm talking about Takashi Six Nine. Do you know who Takashi Six Nine is? I hope you guys do. This is your Dave's doc for this the week. The rapper. Yeah, dude. yeah, it was insane, bro. He's a rapper. He's like the... super famous, but everybody. Yeah, isn't him. he a rat? He's a rat. He's a he's affiliated blood. He is like all of these things, man. It's the wild. It's honestly, this movie was really, really, really fun to watch. Um, so you know, he started. He was a, he's a Brooklyn rapper. He he just had this idea. It's really not a movie about music as much as it is about social commentary and how like now with music and you know you just have to be insane to get any kind of clout you you can't really do anything normal anymore there's no like we were talking about earlier there's no safe way anymore everything has to be balls out you know uh just balls to the wall so the kid basically like he started off um you know as this like he was wearing crazy clothes that would just say like cunt on the front <laughs> like mm-hmm. like and just wearing it around and going to I like these how shows. you sort of I like how you sort of whispered cunt cunt yeah Tell, tell us about some 6 9 So Takashi 6 you were 9 saying, probably the most saying, controversial. God. See, here's my thing, man. I watched this movie because people who get this famous and they're and they're this hated, that it blows my mind. Like, I mean, you were talking like 350 million plays in the first 2 months of releasing like uh, a music video or a, or a song on Spotify. Like that shit to me is like I don't care if you're a jazz musician or a rapper or a rock star. It it really it makes me go, I want to watch I want to know like what is what's more mm-hmm. to this story, you know. Um, so it just turned out that really this was like a social commentary on like how insane you have to be to to get any uh, clout or publicity or whatever. Well, this guy like he took it way too far. Um, he ends up like joining the Bloods. Um, he does a video that got really really famous, and he went in and he handed out like these Bloods were there. They were down the street from where he lived or something like that in his neighborhood, and he went over to their house. He's like, "Can I shoot a video, in, you know, in front of your place?" And he had already been like notoriously releasing like really crazy videos, like in trap houses and people doing drugs and just like really kind of like guerrilla style videos, and they would catch on a little bit. Well, this one like blew up, and he he ends up becoming like affiliated in the gang. In the Bloods. And I think, you know, at this time, he's probably 19 years old. And he, he doesn't really know, like, what he's getting into. And I think what it turns out is he starts funding them because he starts making all this money. So he's funding them. And they're kind of the muscle behind all of his troll videos on Instagram and all this stuff. And he starts trolling all these famous rappers. And um, the shit really turns on him when some of these guys get busted. And he gets busted. And he gets arrested for racketeering. And he faces 46 years in prison. And they're like, all right, man, you can let us out. You know, we'll let you out if you like rat out all these people. So his testimony put over a hundred years between eight guys in uh, sent them all to prison and he got Jesus. out. Yeah. So if he doesn't think like people are looking for him, he's crazy. The craziest part is he actually comes out of jail and he's like, fuck you. I'm back on the street. What are you going to do? Come get me. And that's kind of he actually got released out of the jail uh, during coronavirus because I guess he has asthma or something. But like he's out on the street and he's just like, all right, fuck you guys. Come get me. I, I it 
it blew my mind. So that's where we that's where we stand today. That's where we stand that today. Like, we don't really know where like, he is. I'm get my shit. He posts well, from like. Do, do you? I mean, I, I'm yeah. just I'm just looking up images of him right now, and uh, really, it's, it's going to be work. hard to stay to stay incognito when your hair is. Yeah, <laughs> designed I don't after think fruity he's gonna pebbles. be like. I don't think he's gonna be like serving coffee in Portland, Oregon, anytime soon. Well, maybe Portland, Oregon, but like I don't think he's gonna blend in uh, yeah. very 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 well. Um, you know, and just the amount, I mean, his shows were like, you know, I watched, they, they showed a clip from one of his concerts at a festival and it looked, it reminded me of like watching Rage Against the Machine in like 2000. Mm. We're like, the crowd is just terrifying. You know what I mean? Like the way it's moving and the way it looks like people are getting trampled. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it's bonkers, bonkers. I would say this, man, as a movie, as a Dave's doc, like music wise, you know, I think I talked about like Sam Cooke last week. You know, I like to, right. I like to go back and forth and, and, you know, try to keep it interesting for you guys. I would say as a movie and you have Hulu, definitely watch this movie. It's super entertaining. If you like gangster movies and kind of like documentaries about, you know, crime drama and stuff like that, I think, I think this is right up your alley. So mm. I'm not sure going to watch that. Totally arbitrary ranking. Totally arbitrary ranking. Um, as a music doc, you know, I only give it maybe a two and a half out of five. There's not a lot of musical content in it. Some of his songs, take them or leave them, uh, you know, they play through it. But as a movie doc, four and a half out of five, Platinum Grills. That's what I'm giving it. And that's your Boom. Dave's doc rating. Nice. Dave's doc. Keeping it moving. Love it. All right. That's, uh, that's a sign that I usually get to now talk about a segment called a Couple Two Tree Randos, <clears throat> where we ask our guests a couple two tree rando questions. So I'm just going to dive right into that. If you could swap places with any band member of any band, past or present, living or dead, despite your talent levels or theirs, who would that be and why? If I could swap places with any band member, like in history? Mm-hmm. Any, anybody. Oh. Any uh... musician. I would go with uh, probably the rhythm guitar players in Django Reinhardt's band. Ooh, Just to cool. like hang out, listen to him play. That'd be Being the hot club du Perry. Yeah. So like with like Joseph Reinhardt or somebody like that. Definitely mm. swap places there. That's a that's a really cool That's a good one. answer. I, yeah. I yeah. might might think about stealing that one. <clears throat> All right. Have you made any new gears resolutions? Uh, well, constantly. I mean, we just, uh, we just reworked my whole rig. Um, I got, I, well, this guy I know in Texas is sending me a blackface super reverb. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's, um, you're finally going to go full Stevie Ray Vaughan on us. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so I have that and, uh, I'm getting a badger, a sewer badger in the mail this week. Ooh, and, those, uh, those. Also, those uh, IR machines uh, that Sewer makes. Very cool. So, Are you going to use their IRs, or are you going to try to capture some of your cabinet stuff? Uh, Mason has like a, a, a library with like 20,000 of them, so I'm just going <laughs> to get those. <laughs> Uncle Mason, send me some IRs. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Mason's been, Mason's been good to the team. Uh, and yeah, so and we also did, redid our my whole pedal pedal board and uh, switch, swapped up all the Strymon stuff for Source Audio stuff. Nice. Um, no more yeah. Strymon bridge. You're, you're it's a Source Audio bridge now. The yeah. Source Audio Isthmus. Yeah, they, you can let just... Mason can steal that if he wants. Mason, I'm sure. <laughs> source Audio Isthmus. Yeah, it's uh, Source Audio has been great, man. Their pedal sounds so good. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, I gotta. The, is, is that the Ventress? Is that the yeah, the Ventress and the Nemesis, or yeah. they make both of them in one called the Collider now. 
and it's just ah right that that's the that's the box i mean i think it's going to be the real winner for like you know kind of advanced reverb delay ambient sounds um for nerds because um for most people they kind of are looking for some sort of for a great guitar tone for some sort of blend of verb and delay and to have like an all-in-one high quality box with like two dsps in one box it's sure. it's great that's awesome so you heard it yeah, here lot, first folks lots, collider yeah lots of lots of uh gear resolutions though. many love many. it yeah how many snakes would it take to defeat you um one <laughs> okay non non-poisonous non-poisonous yeah uh a strong one <laughs> one strong like a, like a like a boa constrictor or something like that yeah yeah, I'm, are you I'm are you so terrified much. of snakes? Because some people are terrified, like they can't even see I'm, a picture of a snake, and they will run. No, no, I, I would, I would, I would just die without fear. You okay? That's a good way to go out. Died <laughs> by a snake. Death. Yeah, I would just lose the battle. I'm not. I, I've been, I've been in a lot. I've been in a few fights in my life, but I've never won one. So. Oh. Yeah. So a snake would just okay. You know how to you know how to die go down gracefully. That's that's a yeah. that's a I mean that's a skill. You you're not born with that. No. no. <laughs> This okay. question comes from John Nunez. Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, I mean, that was fucking, that was such a good one. Go after, yeah. after this one, go back and check that one out. John Nunez from Torch. And he wants to know, uh, and we're talking about, I guess, sort of pandemic right now. He wants to know what's been sort of the most challenging thing going into this new pandemic reality that you've had to deal with. And then also, what is the best thing that you've discovered or, or sort of been forced to grow within in a specific area that's maybe new to you because of the pandemic? So biggest challenge, biggest opportunity for growth. Well, uh, for certain, it was the loss of touring because we're a touring band. Mm, so just right. the loss of life. I mean, we, we, we canceled um, two cruises. We were supposed to play Cruise to the Edge with like oh, Yes wow. and all those guys. And then, Holy crap. And then uh, On the Blue with like Garfunkel and Moody oh. Blues and Zombies and all those bands. Uh, and that that was the first, two, that was two big show, like big money shows too. Mm-hmm, uh, right. That And they, you know, on each cruise we had like five gigs and the whole like um the tours after that was like over i think 120 shows that were booked including festivals that we had to cancel and then you know not obviously after those days were gone just not book new ones um so that was a big blow you know yeah Uh, of course financially and emotionally and all that stuff um but the good things uh, was just you know the the kind of things we did instead we did uh backyard tours of fans of ours in the summer uh just me and the saxophone player we'd go to both of us and rented a car and got to hang out and just go to lots of states do things outdoors for a few people and mm-hmm. uh really f- find a creative way to make it work just play jazz standards for them mm-hmm. you know uh, gypsy jazz kind of things and that was a lot of fun and also making albums we did we made two albums in 2020 i did like a solo guitar thing that i recorded at home and we did one the two of us and antonio sanchez from Matheny group so we did like a jazz album that danny wrote the tunes and so so the solo guitar that was 10 years in the sun 10 years in the sun yeah and then you just the, this new one is that Russian Dolls? Russian Dolls is the one with with Sanchez, yeah. So we release everything on the Marvin umbrella. We don't we don't like 
ever build our own solo careers. Okay. Uh, and a lot of the tunes we wrote together, even in Ten Years in the Sun, there were arrangements of songs that we both wrote. Uh, I was, was going to. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Rabin. I was going to ask. Yeah, Markovich Rabin is Marvin, and we've just kind of always been partners and mm-hmm. wrote wrote music together. And uh, it just makes no sense to split off, even those kind of things. Um, well, it's really that's a really interesting way to approach it. I think some people deal with that sort of fractional fractionality of your of your output or persona and it's something i think about too because it's like i work on music with with my songwriting partner bandmate but then it's like i've got these other things that might not always fit into that it sounds like you've taken taken the stance that all all the music for from both of you should just all come under this one umbrella so that everyone knows where to find it well we were yeah and and like you know we we don't have a typical relationship that most friends have you know it's uh we talk on the phone like you know seven times a day for the last fifteen <laughs> years. So wow. it's uh, it's uh, you know it's uh, we're pretty close. It sounds it's like always, it, yeah, yeah. That's... It's always and, and we ride together, and I don't know. It's like you know we played thousands of shows, and I think I've I think I played maybe ten shows, maybe eleven shows in my life when Danny wasn't on stage. Wow. Uh, so we've just kind of always done the same things. And, and, you know, people don't really rent, hire us as sidemen. We always have done our own thing. Sure. So, wow. And when, when they do, they usually take both of us. Um, Package deal. So, yeah, kind of. And uh, they so they can that, afford you. Yeah. So, and then recently we did uh, the Shredding at Sweetwater thing. Uh, so that was really good, too. That was our latest album that just came out on Bandcamp. We haven't put it up on streaming yet. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't uh, had the chance to check that one out, but I did see that that came out. So that was in the Sweetwater Theater that they have there? Not the theater, in the Studio A. Oh, okay. We did like a live stream in the studio and then, uh, you know, got some really nice sounds and put it out as an album. They have, it's so funny, they have all these like U87s floating around. They all look like sparkling, brand new. I feel like if they use one, they just throw it to the garbage and get in the box, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, it might be a good dumpster to raid awesome. behind that place. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna yeah. go. I'm gonna drive down to Fort Worth and check out their garage. So much, so much money floating around there. It's pretty crazy. Wow. Um, uh, wow. So okay, we'll bring it back to the end. A couple two randos here, just real fast. Um, <clears throat> the last question here is, what question should we ask our next guest? Uh, you don't. You know, it doesn't matter who they are. Someone else in the music world. Just something that you would like to, something that you would like to ask our next guest on the show. Ooh, the kicking it forward kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. That's a good question to ask. Um, when they release, an, when they when they have a new release, assuming they're a musician, uh, maybe ask that the next musician. What's the appropriate amount of time before putting everything out for free on streaming, and how they balance out this? the feeling of missing exposure versus wanting to capitalize mm. on, wow. Great on, the, on the recordings that they just made. So how, that's how a really long, good question. It sounds like long, something you might be dealing with personally. Every, every release. That's always the dilemma. Yeah. It's, what it's what a, are your thoughts on that? How well, do you, how do you, what's your, usual every time approach? we try something out, well, definitely not throw it up for, you know, for free immediately, but uh, okay. the question, yeah. it's like, you know, I mean, as a person that makes music, you know, it's like you, you have made something, you put in a lot of energy and thought and care and, and money into it. So you want people to hear it. 
and you have like this wall of people that will gladly hear it for free mm-hmm. and then you have these people that are going to pay for it so what's the appropriate amount of time for kind of letting them you know buy it and using the enthusiasm of the release and it's it's tricky that's a tough uh, one it is too. tricky and it's an interesting question too because someone from your perspective who already has a fan base has been doing this for over 10 years 15 whatever however many years your band's been together is in a different position than someone who maybe has a brand new project so like while you have the same sort of feelings of oh i put all this time and money work whatever effort into it you know i think i think the younger not younger in age but younger in just like um Career, uh, time experience career that mm-hmm. probably is forced to, to put things out for free much more quickly because you don't have the people that you're talking about that are there just willing yeah. to sort of buy that like stuff. My anyways. mom will listen to it, but you know, if nobody else knows who my band name is, they might never hear yeah. it. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. hard. I mean, it's it's, it is hard. I, this morning, uh, we, we made like some deal with a vinyl shop in uh, Juneau, Alaska that wants to carry our uh, a couple of our vinyls. Cool. We, we make like compilations and uh you know they, they want to buy them wholesale and danny wrote me like what should i sell them for and uh it's like i don't know like that and then like he made a deal with them and i was like so uh, i write them i wrote them back like you know so what what's the what, what's the profit returning per per unit it's like i don't know <laughs> and then I, it's like yeah, like apes together apes together strong that's that's the way you solve most of your problems in a band. Yep. <laughs> just go forward, make decisions. Let's just see if Who they cares. sell. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, ask, of, ask forgiveness, uh, the, not permission. The, the the truth the truth about a lot of this stuff is you go with your for me at least you do what makes sense in the moment. The people that act like they know something about it usually don't. Um, and uh, you got to be very dynamic in your approach. You know, you just got to, if you're managing yourself, you got to try to make good decisions in the moment. Well, and, and to your point too, it's like trying something different every time you've got to be willing to test. And, and if something's not working, then try something different because yes, exactly there that. is no right way to do it. Yeah, well, Danny, that is a good, that is a great way of taking things. Like, as you mentioned, looking, bringing things forward, let's, let's go back a little bit and get into your history a little bit. So, um, where did you grow up? Um, how did, how did you get into music? How did that all happen for you? Uh, well, I grew up in Israel. I'm from a town called Rehovot, and, uh, that's about like 20 miles south of Tel Aviv. Uh, got into music through metal, uh, Metallica. Saw Metallica Hell concert yeah. when I was like 14, 13, something like that. Right. I started playing. Do you, remember, do you remember what they were touring on? I think it was Reload. Could it be okay. Reload? That sounds, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. About, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, which I did not like, but I liked the early <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> At the time, I thought Reload was pretty cool, but it uh, hasn't really aged all too well, in my opinion. No, no. <laughs> it's like they're, yeah. Like that, that whole transition from. Yeah, I feel like as the handlebar mustache grew and the hair got shorter, <laughs> hair got shorter. It's you know, like one the time story I did of go, Samson. Yeah, yeah, I, I one, I did one time uh, go through and listen to load and reload and decide which songs like. If I were to try to cut it down and edit both of those records down into one record, mm-hmm. what it would be. And I and I believe I still have a Spotify playlist that I would stand by of those songs. But we don't need to get too much into load and reload here. So no. you got into metal. Uh, did you get a guitar right away? Well, no. So I, I started playing bass. And uh, I, I remember I still remember this very vividly. I took I went to my first bass lessons. And, uh, and my teacher 
in the town I was from, I couldn't hear the bass in the mixes. I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. really and then and then he like drew my attention it's like that's the bass part i was like that's the fuck this i'm not playing bass <laughs> <laughs> oh man that might be the best bass to guitar player story we've ever heard i just had no idea i was like are you sh- are you shitting me bow 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 like that's what i'm supposed to do it's like even as a 13 year old i knew that was bullshit I totally thought he was going to be like, and then he showed me no. what it sounded like, and it opened my ears to music. No. <laughs> do, do, you know, do you know what makes a great bassist? I don't know. You're talking to Dave right now, Dave. What do you think? I, do, I don't know bassist? if I consider myself a great bassist, but uh, I would love to hear the other, the punchline of this joke. God, but not very often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. Oh, wait. All right. Hold on. I, I've got to do one more. What do you call what do you call a beautiful woman on the arm of a bassist? What? A tattoo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like the one where the kid goes to to learn how to play bass and he learns one, oh, two, yeah, three, four, one, two, three, four. And he comes back for two weeks and then he's gone for eight weeks. And he comes back and the teacher's like, Where were you? And he was like, I was on tour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bass players. All yeah. right. No, yeah. It's uh it's pretty great. So yeah, I started playing guitar. I had like a Randy Rhodes Jackson Flying V with lightning bolts on it. Wow. Uh, Then I figured out you cannot sit down and practice and I got really into practicing. So uh, I traded that in for a Wolfgang Van Halen kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really into the shrapnel guys. What would happen was really in metal, I I started gravitating. Uh, I never really liked the songs too much. I just fast forward to the solos. Hmm. And it was just those instruments. I, I was like, a, I just look at, you know, just on the CD player, kind of intuitively know what second mark was the range of a solo, kind of three, three-fourths of the way through a song. Just really start listening there. I, d- I honestly didn't care uh, about anything else but the guitar solos. And it was something wow. about that um, sound. To me, it sounded like rods of lightning, like that, the tone of the electric guitar, the high gain kind of 80s thing that is Um, like the most peak guitarist thing i've ever heard yeah (laughs) like i I don't even i don't even need the riffs just get me straight to the soul i didn't i didn't care i couldn't play i I couldn't play any riffs at all i just cared about lead lines and just obsessed with guitar solos and then it went from like kirk hammett and like you know megadeth and pantera like you know dimebag and marty friedman and that slid gradually towards the Ingves, Satriani's, Greg Howe, and then the Greg Howe slid to Scott Henderson and Alan Holdsworth. It was, was basically jazz, yep. basically anybody who played with kind of uh, a high gain sound. Uh, I was into when I was in high school, and uh, then I went to Berkeley right when I graduated from high school. So I was still seventeen, really, almost eighteen, mm-hmm. and uh, then. I was exposed to jazz, but I was not good at it. So I did, uh, as a self-defense mechanism, I got into free music, free jazz, because I just realized that um, you could win at that game when you have no skill or ability. (laughs) 
You don't know? have to memorize a bunch of standards to play. <laughs> you, you, you have to know nothing. All, I was into prepared guitar. I would put like corks in between the strings and do this. And because um, postmodernism was so prevalent in schools in that time, it was almost like Ornette Coleman just kind of set up this uh, legal loop for the free players to just climb to the top of the hierarchy without any sort of real understanding of anything. Uh, and I was running with that crowd for a while, acting real artsy and making a lot of noise. And uh, eventually I just started getting, started playing with like a drummer and bassist and mm-hmm. they wanted to just play more normal things. And I started we were more like kind of jamming. And uh, I had fusion chops and tried to bring that free thing in but that really didn't fit anything and i've i I was also i didn't have the temperament for it because i was always trying to be like really good at playing free music which is like this this thing of playing objectively good was very prevalent in my life i really tried to play I, I, I almost like was connected to this idea of what good and bad mean like i was i'm not a subscriber of music is subjective you know, I think your tastes are fairly subjective, but I think there certainly is a difference between a five-year-old child blowing into a saxophone and Charlie Parker. That's an, a real aesthetic difference that anybody may not, maybe not everybody can articulate, but everybody can appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And I feel we like could, we could definitely debate that, but I agree with your point. <clears throat> I mean, that's a, it's a pretty extreme example, of course, and anything with Charlie Parker really, but um, yeah, I feel, well, I feel, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I mean, so I've got to ask, I mean, you already talked about this idea of, of your sort of musical soulmate in this person. When did, when did, when did your saxophone playing brethren come into your life? Right after Berkeley, uh, I went to Israel for a summer and, uh, we brought, a drum, I brought a drummer with me that I played with in Berkeley, and uh, mm-hmm. the first the, I met Danny through a mutual bass playing friend um, that we both knew, and we got together. Me, this drummer, the bassist, and then he brought Danny on. See, bass and, players are good for something, Dave. There you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was we usually have the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we ended up firing him, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's another thing we're good for. Is Learning how to come back from uh, stuff like bouncing back, <laughs> yeah, bouncing uh, back, yeah. No, no it, it was funny. Uh, and we we met a day before our first gig, we just started playing together, and then we started writing music together. And then in 2008, we moved to Chicago together. I was living in how did, Boston. How then. did that become the decision? Yeah, oh, to- totally random. That drummer lived here, and that. As soon as we moved here, the three of us, we fired the bassist and the three of us moved here. And then the, we, that fell apart with the drummer basically immediately. Uh, he was wow. a nut. Uh, but he's from Highland Park. So mm, uh, so we moved We moved here to kind of all be together. And and how long? So, I, yeah, I know that. <clears throat> I mean, one of the things I, I for sure know about you and your stories that at a certain point... <clears throat> You cross paths with Paul Wertico, uh, yeah. who, I mean, you know, he, if anybody in the jazz world definitely knows who that is, but if not, you know, just an incredible drummer and played with Pat Metheny and so many players, also an instructor. And, mm-hmm. and that must have been a pretty sort of momentous meeting for you, for someone in the sort of fusion jazz world to then kind of have someone like yeah. Paul Wertico be like, yo, let's play. 
Yeah, well, it, 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 it the way it happened was we moved to Chicago, me and Danny, and uh, we loved Paul Wertico. We were looking at kind of like who, what players we love lived here, and not many sure. did. Uh, but then we we found out he did, and I just found his number in the phone book. No uh, way! And I just called him and I was like, "Hey!" He's like, "Hey!" And I was like, "Hey, my name is Danny. Can I have a? Can I book a lesson?" And he's like yeah i guess and we put down a date like three weeks from then and we went to his house in skokie just me and danny and he thought it's just me coming for a drum lesson uh and we just showed up with like <laughs> Little a, did he know. a truck full of gear i had like a stereo like set up with like two twins like just like showing up for a gig and he's like what the fuck he's like having dinner with his wife and kid and uh we just set up in his basement and we just played for him for like 90 minutes and he's like wow guys are amazing and then he just kind of uh offered us to join his trio make it a quintet and we made an album together uh so we we ballsed our way into that situation with some severe that was like big dick energy another bold move i mean that definitely i i gotta respect that that's a fucking wild story and the fact that it actually worked and yeah i was thinking about that too i mean that must have opened so many doors and i was you know you mentioned earlier the sort of transition of your guitar player influence timeline and you mentioned both scott henderson and alan holdsworth and and i believe you've actually then now since gone on to tour with those guys too right yeah both of them yeah we did uh what what was that like for someone that i mean you mentioned them as influences and then to now go on the road with them what what did you take away from those players well okay so the first thing that happened was well with with scott in 2011 we did i think two weeks with him and then uh with his band and then we did over a month with alan in 2012 wow um every night theaters so i was never again in that situation where i ever felt intimidated uh to play guitar in front of anybody because uh, you played in front of scott henderson and and I, I mean those were those were the, it wasn't like you know it wasn't the bench uh of people i liked it was the two guitar players i liked the most when i yeah. was when i was growing right. up they, they, these were the guys i wanted to you know be like and i modeled my sound after like tonally you know wow uh, or, or like you know in terms of like timbre Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, yeah, we got to play a full show <laughs> before they would take the stage, and people liked us honestly more. <laughs> you know, we'd get, <laughs> we'd get like standing ovations. People would freak out. It sold a ton of merch, and uh, you know, I just knew. I, I remember. I still remember to this day, like the first time. Well, I, I stood. We we finished sound check, uh, and Alan finished his sound check, and he was like, "Hey, Dan, like, he's like, hey, Danny, you wanna, you wanna play, you wanna check out the rig, you know?" I was like, "Yeah." And so I like play. I was excited about it, like playing guitar through Alan's guitar, through his amp, wow, through his wow. pedals. The wo- and, and was I, he playing those little Holdsworth models with yeah, the stock and stuff? Yeah, the carving things. Yeah. And um, and I remember just standing there, and it blew my mind that it sounded exactly like me playing through Alan Holdsworth's rig. Everything uh, but the fingers, right? <laughs> it's just, you know, you, you, that's the big joke of gear. Mm-hmm. You you know, the, the, big, the big load, the big um, baggage you carry on your back like a turtle, you cannot escape your sound. Yep. You sound, yep. You sound like you no matter what. No matter what, right? And, call uh, that 
bone tone bone tone tone, tone, and there's no there's everybody's rig in this world really in this style all it is is some gain some version of gain some version of delay and some version of reverb and uh if you don't know how to make a painting with those ingredients you know what i mean with those colors then yeah then it's not going to work, you know? So well, and it's, you can't really, how do you separate yourself from that too? Because you've already said that <clears throat> obviously someone like Alan Holdsworth is a huge influence. I think on frankly, any guitar player that plays legato has, has been influenced by him, but it's like, how can you, you know, you hear yourself, but it's also like yourself is you, you wouldn't sound like your, your style or your tone or whatever it is that you, you define as the Danny thing had people like Henderson and Holdsworth not sort of done that too. Oh, so it's sure. like this evolution at the same time of you, also being on top of that sound. I don't, I can't really, I'm not doing a good job of describing it. I don't know. Uh, I understand. We, it's like you stand, you see so far cause you stand on the shoulders of giants, you know? That's right. That, yeah, that yeah, exactly. So you, every, every generation builds on the next and they, you know, they certainly have influenced I wouldn't. I, I don't know if I would think that it was possible to, to get that a sound like that would work in jazz. But the truth is that Alan came so early that you would you would a lot of the metal guys got inspired to play that kind of you know rectified Marshall sound. Yeah. You know, in in that music, partly because of him. You know, that's that's the real history Holy of that sound. Uh, now take not- a, I want to hear I want to hear some more about your sound if you don't mind. Yeah, um, yeah. because I know obviously we've talked about some of the influences and I and I have a sort of general idea of what you play, but um, mm-hmm. obviously you also mentioned just uh, Uncle Mace going through a little bit of a, a pedal uh, sort of board rebuild with you. So t- sure. take us take us through a little bit like what you consider to be your sound right now. Like uh, starting with guitar, what's your what's your main axe that you like to play? I play a Sur uh, Strat, all single mm-hmm. coils. So, uh, oh, all single. Okay. Yeah, I never played humbuckers at all. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't like them. They kind of drive the front of the amp hard in a way sure. that I never appreciate. And uh, yeah, I always have been a single coil guy. Single mm-hmm. coil guy. And um, are you um, doing with like a vibrato? Uh, is it just sort of like a standard Strat style vibrato? Or are you doing locking trim? Any of that kind of stuff? Standard. Yeah, just like yeah. a classic classic Fender bridge. Um, and, uh, and I set it to float kind of like Jeff Beck, Scott Henderson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I can pull on it to make the, notes how, how much sharp. can you pull it up? Uh, mine is set up to a minor third on the G string. Minor third. Cool. Yeah. So minor third on the G, which works out to be a whole step on the B and a half step on the E. Um, which is a, mir- a miracle of physics that that's how it, <laughs> that is a that's how it works out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I do that and I've been playing yeah. a custom audio electronics head for years, yes. which is the brainchild of John Sewer and what's his face, Bradshaw, Bob Bradshaw. And yeah. so is that a, the hundred watt? It's the, it's the hundred watt. So that kind of now the, the PT100 that Sewer makes is mm-hmm. a sort of uh pop version of that, that I totally don't that I don't like. Uh, it's very, I mean, it's a nice amp and it has much, it's much more switchable, but uh, it's voiced in a very weird way to me. It's kind of like interesting. You know, Pete, Pete Torrance. Um, I, I think he just needs different things from his amps. Yeah, of course. Uh, and, and people, people of LA of the 20, 2010s, 2020s, you know, just kind of have a, 
I think they, they they don't play a lot of shows and make a ton of content, so their reference point is kind of a little bit different than somebody who goes and plays a club or a theater every night. Mm. Oh, it's definitely a different thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to say that that custom audio electronics amp, <clears throat> I don't have too many... Um, I don't know if I'd say holy grail, but there. You know, I've been able, I've been lucky to play a lot of cool gear and, mm-hmm. and pretty much everything that I've ever wanted to play. But I still, despite having wanted wanted to for however many years, I've still never played through one of those heads that you have. Um, that is definitely on a thing on the list of things. It's I need extremely to do unforgiving. Uh, yeah, it's. I think that's why it never never had the success that the PT has. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a compressed amp at all. Uh, it's not like an easy amp to play. Uh, which, you know, some people love, some people hate. Yeah. Um, the clean channel is basically a blackface twin and the dirty channel is basically a Marshall Plexi. So. Which that's the dream for um, yeah, many players. Uh, and and yeah. a lot of, a lot of amps have come out supposedly with, with those specs and then mm-hmm. you play them. It's like, okay, not so much. Not I mean, there are a lot of amps that uh, my experience was with Friedman there was a BE100 I played it at Guitar Center when we were on the mm-hmm. road and I loved it I played it in yeah. the guitar and in the Guitar Center it sounded like a dream and I bought it and I took it to the first gig it's like holy shit uh, this amp does not work with oh, my no. band it's my tone that's the worst thing in the world you it know, sounds so moment. different at the store and then you take it to like a just a completely different venue and yeah. it's just you can't, it's, you can't get a good sound out of it right well, I mean, it, the sound was the same sound. It just did not in context work in the con- in oh, context. Gotcha. You know, it yeah. was small. It was you know, I I couldn't get the size. Even if you turn the mids yeah. all the way up, it's still not going to be the same thing. Right. No, not at all. It's it's about it's just at that point, it's just about moving air, and it's just about the way the way something kind of uh, feels in the not the because f- it would have worked in the mix if we were in a Pro Tools session. Sure but it didn't work in the air. Right. It didn't mix in the air in the same way. It's a totally different and, thing. Uh, yeah. What uh, what kind of ca- what a... kind of cabs are you running uh into the from the CA? So I have two depending on uh the situation. One is made by Schroeder. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um very cool local has, brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that has like his speakers which are made in the Weber factory. Uh they're kind of like EVs with a very smooth top end. Um, and then the other one I have is a Carry Wright 412. Oh, is the Schroeder uh, 412 as well? Yeah, cool. that's a 412. And then uh, the Carry Wright 412 is actual like blue pugs and uh, the uh, the Onico Webers as well. Oh, gotcha. So Webers. What would but, make you like, choose high, high one wattage. over the other? Uh, one is an open back and one's a closed back. Uh, so the open back 412 is much more vibey and like you know you can you have a like that nice spread but yeah. it's not so not so practical for recording because the sound is kind of not directional of course you know? mm. so one one's more of a live cab yeah lately i've just been playing the close back i played mm-hmm. the i played the open one for so many years and there's something about just having the sound shoot out in a beam that uh, I I enjoy more now, and then there's uh after that there's the rig that uh, Mason built for me. Yeah, let's hear about yeah, that pedal board. Um, well, it's basically like a Vertex demo. Uh, <laughs> I just I just have the yeah. entire line. How many how many pedals are not Vertex? I was gonna say board. this podcast is sponsored by Vertex. Very <laughs> yeah. very few. 
Uh, so I have a G2 uh, made by the guys, the guys at the, the Pedal Show. Mm-hmm. The Gig Rig. Daniel. Uh, Daniel, that's right. And uh, I tried to actually get... Mason tried to get me to do a J... What's it called? RJ... The RJM Mastermind. Yep. I, yeah. Yeah. Tried to get me on that RJM. And it was so fucking nerdy like to like sit there and route all the stuff on your laptop i couldn't do it i was just like fuck this i need i'm <laughs> I need mouse. i'm an idiot i need <laughs> somebody who understands the brain the monkey brain that i have and made a machine for me to go one two three to control <laughs> the route you know and and it's true i just i'm not interested in like pulling out like my laptop like some hipster in a coffee shop in the middle of a gig and troubleshoot mm-hmm. you know eat some pretentious fruit like a pear is a pear pretentious wow interesting. No, i would have no, chosen i, I would have chosen like kiwi or, or pomegranate it's a, it's a bill burr reference oh okay gotcha <laughs> yeah no uh but but uh yeah it's pomegranates are not pretentious they're ethnic. They take a lot of. That's a super fruit <laughs> antioxidant. It's pretentious because it's like you have to you have to have a whole ritual to eat it. It's messy. You right. get on your you know whatever. Well, the secret is you have to break it in a in a bowl of water. Oh, see who's the hipster now? Yeah, yeah. Giving no, us fucking uh, hipster pomegranate li- chips over listen, here. Listen, man, I'm from Israel. We actually eat that stuff. <laughs> Touching tips with Danny. I lo- oh, I love eating them. It's just such a yeah. It's just such a pain in the well, ass to get all those seeds out of there. I'm saying, do it in a water bowl. It wouldn't splash anywhere, and it comes out in a second. Okay. Boom. I'll I'm gonna go buy that. a pomegranate. Submerge. Submerge. Are they in season right now? <laughs> this is America. Everything's always in season. That's true. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Land of the free. All right, Uncle Mace. Yeah. He's got some oh, pedals yeah, yeah. on there. What vertex yeah. do you have on there? Tell us about well, it. Well, so my signal chain. Let's see. I have ten loops. So loop one is the Nile, which is the compressor that mm-hmm. Mason makes. I I don't like compressors, but it's kind of more like a overdrive pedal that uses like a boost kind of thing it's a boost that like just kind of brings everything in a tiny bit yeah and uh it gets kind of a derek truxy type tone which i do like um loop two is the steel string nice the the new one or the original it's not the steel string supreme it's the small one the one in the small enclosure Mm. yeah Loop three, I have the dynamic distortion, which is Mason's cool. version of an SD9. Um, very cool. Loop four is an exotic pedal uh, called the RC Booster, that you guys probably uh, know. Yes. Scott and, Henderson used very well as well. Yes. And the RC Booster, I don't use it like Scott. So the RC Booster is just kind of, I only use it with the clean channel of my amp, and it's my oh, basic okay. clean tone. And there's just, I keep talking to Mason about making one. But he think he tends to think that uh, the market for people who need it to EQ the r- clean channel of an OD100 to fit behind a saxophone player <laughs> is pretty niche. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm I'm stuck with the RC. Yeah, it's uh, RC. Yeah, but uh, it just puts a little dip in the mid range and a little bite on my clean channel that. I could never figure out a different pedal that would do that. The only thing I could figure out is to get some sort of parametric EQ because it's just such a specific bell curve that it does naturally in a place. And I've used it the same way for years. Uh, so that's more like just mm-hmm. to put some makeup on a channel of my amp. Yeah. Uh, my main distortion pedal is in loop five. That's the Ultraphonics, also by nice. Vertex. Mm-hmm. Then in loop six, I have the Tone Secret. Uh, which is 
Mason's version of a tube screamer. So loop one through six. I don't, think I've, I don't think I've ever used that one actually. That's so that's modeled after Scott. That's the sound from Tore Down House and from um and from like Dog Party. Like that okay. when when Scott played he did that record playing a voodoo one and uh and a tube screamer into a bandmaster. Got it. Uh which was and that's his bluestone, and it's just kind of a very, very, very good version of a tube screamer and i'm not a big fan of tube screamers but that one really works with my setup that's the newest so, edition a lot of uncle mason loops one through six what do we got yeah. coming after that so okay so now loop seven hopefully i'm trying to con- mason's he was working on a fuzz that never came out and he has like a prototype so i'm tr- really trying to convince him to to give me that fuzz for uh <laughs> for loop seven but uh currently there's a source audio uh the, their digital eq pedal is there oh which yeah is sure killer and that's where the effects loop starts in my amp too got it so that's um controlling all the all the effects oh i should say in the very beginning of the chain before we go into the g2 there's uh, a wah pedal like uh clyde um the clyde mccoy Cly- uh is it a no, it's not called the Clyde. What's it called? The one that uh, Fulltone makes. Oh yeah, is it is the that Clyde? Clyde? Yeah, it's Something. like the it's his take on the McCoy. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. what that is. Yeah, and then okay, so then Loop Eight uh, is an even tied H nine. Mm-hmm. What uh, what effects are you using in H nine? Mainly the synth, the analog synth patch that I do the Matheny lead tone with. It's great. I've done it on many Marvin records. Nice. Uh, and then loop nine is my nemesis by source audio, the delay mm-hmm. sounds, and loop ten is the ventrix or ventris, the reverb sounds. And then the whole effects loop is going through Mason's boost. That and there's an expression pedal. Sure. That's just uh, a, a buffered volume pedal. Which so is, is that how you're controlling <clears throat> what's going on? And like, are you turning those effects on and off? Or are you using the the G two? Uh, the G2 is doing all the switching, including the yeah. including the channel switching for the amp, and then turns the boost on the dirty side on and off. And I have everything. I have patches. The whole bottom row of, of knobs is controlling the dirty side of my amp, and the top is the clean side of my amp. And I just switch, uh, you know, according to the parts and the music that I need. So are you setting up presets? Well, I was going to ask, are you setting up? Pre- it's not like you're setting up presets per song. It's more so Fuck like no. I need I need a delay on this dirty no. part, or I need a, exactly. I need a compression well, on this dirty thing. So I don't I don't really I have basically the sounds in terms of workflow. Um, all of I, the way I set up sounds, the dirty sounds all have delay, and the clean mm. sounds all have verb. Got uh, it. I do, okay. I hate delays on clean sounds. To me, I don't like uh, the plinkiness, like the string sound and the attack of a clean sound. Mm-hmm. I really hate hearing the repeats of it. It gets too pointed, right? Yeah. And sure. when you're playing lines, to me, that um, that just makes the lines really messy. So, I, you know, it's like when you hear Stevie Ray Vaughan, you don't want to hear repeats. You, want, you just want to hear that spring mess happening. You need, you need the space. Um, but you don't want a lot of the, 
you know the the attack of the echo uh but with, i love it. you have very you have very strong opinions about these things that um i feel like it's such i mean most most guitar players do mm-hmm. um what, yeah. how do you what would you feel about okay just to like sort of challenge your mm-hmm. no clean delay thing what about like uh swells with with some clean delay I, I do do that. So if I have like, that's the whole sort of thing. Like if I have a, have a multi-tap delay situation, mm-hmm. then I will use uh, a volume pedal to just get rid of the attacks to where there everything is mm, okay. blooming and you get that kind of orchestral sound. But, yeah, I love but that. I, but for lines, you know, a lot of times I'm soloing in a jazz kind of idiom. Mm-hmm. So with a dirty sound, you know, if you just take a look in Pro Tools and what the actual sound looks like, it's not that triangle like a clean sound where you have that clear pick attack and then a quick decay. You know, it looks like this worm. It's totally straight. So when you're you're using high gain sounds that have that amount of compression and sustain to where the envelope of the note is not triangular, uh, the delay causes a reverb-like effect. It's it's almost, it's diffused, you know? But when... Yeah, absolutely. When you have that like big like straight line to start the triangle and then you're trying and then it gets the repeat start interlacing during the decay of the note to me the only way to get around that is to have that those delay sounds so filtered meaning so dark mm-hmm. that it doesn't sound like delay anymore and at that point it's just, just reverb right. at that point I, yeah i would just rather use a nice plate you know with like a lot of reflection um, there's no advantage to my ear to using uh, a delay if you're just trying to make your delay sound like a reverb. I could not agree with you anymore. That mm-hmm. is uh, that is some some truth there. So, wow, thanks for taking us through the whole rig there. Um, yeah, I guess you know we've we've talked about all the stuff going on with Marvin. Obviously, had some cancellations and some shit that you had to overcome. But in in the meantime, you've put out this sort of solo guitar record, and then this new record, Russian Dolls, that just came out. So, I mean, I know it might be hard to ask or, or sort of project, but do you have plans beyond this? I know you mentioned the Sweetwater thing. Um, what's what's next for you uh, with the band? You know, sure. assuming world starts to maybe open up again at some point soon. Yeah. So. Um well, currently we're working on a Gypsy Jazz album, almost done. Uh, I did, I recorded. So th- we're gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be four albums since COVID started. Uh, <laughs> but what, what, what are you gonna do? Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm finishing that up. Um, I'm, I'm attempting to mix it myself, which is the first time I've ever mixed anything, which wow. is also hilarious. I'm watching a lot of stupid YouTube videos. I literally watched a guy who said that to get a natural reverb sound, he gets a short reverb, a medium reverb, and a long reverb on anything. And that's like the natural sound of me in a room, hallway, and cave. <laughs> right. <laughs> the most natural of all yeah. sounds, of course. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so doing that, that's pretty, that's going to be fun. And then uh, the guys from Audio Tree just talked to us to do a thing for them. Great. Uh, and that's in like two weeks. So that's coming up. There's a festival in Pennsylvania that like will not cancel every week that you like we arrive. It's like, are you guys still on? We're like, we're coming if you're on. And they're like, we're on. It's like, okay, we're gonna see. So I mean, I don't know. For me, I'm uh, I'm ready to come back as soon as they tell me they're having shows. I mean, Fort Wayne, they're having shows already mm-hmm. indoors. You know, uh, so I feel like in this country, there is no currently no uniform front about uh live music 
not what people are doing, what people are not doing. Uh, uh-huh. Outdoor shows are cool. It's kind of like locals can play, touring bands can't. It's yeah, very it's, strange. It's There's the no place. consensus. And it's got to be hard um, for you. I mean, that's how you make your money. So, you know, I understand that. Yeah. So the backyard tour thing, we're probably going to do a little more of that. Uh, just me and Danny. And that's sure. that's nice. That's just really for fans, not for, you know, it's not like going out and doing it publicly. You know, people exactly. will invite their friends and family and have like, you know, 10, 20 people in the backyard and everybody just sits down in lawn chairs and listen to, listens to music, which is not the most uh, luxurious thing you can do with your time. But, uh, you know, that's the, that's the hustle and that's a way to, that's a way to yeah. keep, to keep playing right now. So I guess, you know, if someone wanted to contact you <clears throat> to, to do one of these shows in their backyards or, or also just wanted to, to find out more about you and your music, where typically do you send folks on the internet? Oh, uh, well, we have, we have a big Facebook group uh, page. It's uh, facebook.com slash Marvin Music. Or mm-hmm. our Bandcamp has all the music, which is uh, marvinmusic.bandcamp.com. Um, and you can always email us at marvinmusic at gmail.com. It's well, not hard to find. Um, we're, we're really on there pretty heavy. So... Yeah, I mean, beautiful. Well, if anybody hasn't license. listened yet, definitely go check out Marvin if you're into just insane Shredding guitars and, and, and yeah, jazz really and shred. Stuff, but all, but also there's also like, I mean, yeah, there's there's a solo guitar stuff. There's some more sort of standard kind of jazz with a capital J stuff. Like there, you guys have done a lot of different sounds. It sounds like we've got a Gypsy Jazz record coming. So Marvin yeah. offers a lot for a lot of the different types of fusion jazz prog mm-hmm. fans out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we have a lot of time at home, so. <laughs> danny thank you so much thank for joining you, us it's been it's, been, it's awesome. been super fun having you on man okay. and and, uh, I, and i didn't mean to shit on your synth i know the guy went to mit's very, <laughs> very smart fuck that guy i don't give a shit who okay. cares that's what i really <laughs> he's not listening to this oh, that's great. okay uh but yeah seriously go buy my synth all right bye everybody <laughs> bye-bye